Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Main Street Finance Podcast. I'm, of course, Alex, your host, and today we have another interview. This time, we're going to be talking to Jared from the J-Rod Money Twitter account. J-Rod Money is a Twitter account that helps followers with budgeting and investing advice, and it's part of the reason that he does that, which is why he's here today. Jared is here today because we got into a actually rather cordial discussion for what the standard for social media is, and we were talking about social security and our various opinions on it. So I decided to go ahead and invite him onto the show and get his opinion to see what he thinks. So we have him on the show today so we can have a rather virtual boxing match over the future of Social Security and our individual opinions on it. Jared, welcome to the show. Hey, Alex. Nice for having me. Oh, it's no problem at all. You know, I was starving for content. Well, you know, <laughs> kind of did some dumpster diving asking me to come on your show. So uh, oh, I, don't, no. I don't know what that says about uh, your, your podcast, but Oh, uh, hey, I'll disparage my podcast all day long. <laughs> Don't worry, only two people listen to it anyway. So I'll talk about me bad all day long, but I wouldn't talk bad about you. Not yet. We'll see what you think about Social Security, though. And then we'll see. Yeah, wait wait until uh, after the podcast to make that decision, right? <laughs> yeah, we'll hit pause on the recorders and then put on the boxing gloves. There you go. <laughs> Just got to prove you started it, and then we're good to go. Well, and that's the reason why we do this, right, is to learn more about it. And who knows, we may... Uh be closer to some uh, opinions than we thought. Maybe. Right. And so, ladies and gentlemen, while you're here on the show, you'll notice that I already have a spreadsheet kind of semi-filled out here. If you want to go ahead and look at it, go ahead and look at it, because I know it's taking up 90% of your screen here, but trust me, we'll get to it later. This is more of some side notes that I wanted to keep, so we're going to go through these throughout the episode. And for those of you that are listening on the podcast, unfortunately, you do not know what I'm talking about, because right now we are video recording... So this is going on YouTube and the podcast. So for those of you that are listening, I will be verbalizing everything that we see here. So it's not critical that you see it, but if you'd like to go see the YouTube channel, feel free to go there. This video will be posted there as well. So let's go ahead and jump right into it. Jared, do you think that Social Security, by definition, is an entitlement? Not so much entitlement, I would say, um, mostly because it is something that we all contribute to. If we have a job that get a, a W-2, you have Social Security coming out of that. Social Security as an entitlement, and in a sense, yes, it is, but also the way I look at it is, I mean, you have it coming out of your check each time you get paid, so you're putting into it. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that it is an entitlement. Uh, now, when you talk about how it's being used, uh, since it's functioned by the government, um, you know, we could, that's a completely separate uh, topic there. But but is an entitlement? Yeah, I mean, if I put my money in, I feel entitled to it when I get to that age. So I would agree with that. Well, I could go both ways with it. I see what you're saying, but I could see how it could both be and not be an entitlement. I can see that it could not be an entitlement because, quote-unquote, you've earned it because you've spent, at the time that you're going to get benefits from it, you will have spent potentially 30, 40 years putting into it, and now it's your turn to pull out. So from that point of view, I could see that it would be an entitlement, but one that isn't undeserved. But if you think about how Social Security actually functions, it is a function of all of the current workforce is paying into it, and the Social Security Agency takes that money, immediately turns around and pays it out. So if you're someone that's saying, hey, it's my Social Security, I earned it, what you're saying is, hey, I've earned the money from these guys' paychecks. 
Right. So if you look at it that way, and I get that that's a very specific way to look at it, but if you think of it from the perspective of the money that you are saying is yours, that you earned, is legitimately money that just the week before got pulled out of someone else's paycheck to turn around and come directly to you. So you are literally saying that someone else's income is yours. So from that point of view, I 100% say it's an entitlement because you are claiming someone else's income. Not to say that it's unfair because you've been doing it for 40 years, but I still think firmly that yes, it is an entitlement. And in certain cases, definitely the negative connotation that comes along with the word entitlement. Right. Uh, and, and entitlement too, I mean, when you think about it, it's, it's, it's a, can be a very toxic word, right? Oh, for sure. And, and when you and when you put it to Social Security, you know, people get very defensive about their Social Security. You hear all the time these people that put into Social Security, and they complain about some governmental policies that may be pulled from Social Security. Because from what I understand, that's pretty commonplace, right? Yeah, there's a lot of complaining. A lot of, especially on the increases, like the annual increases. Like maybe it's not right. keeping up. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, you see these guys. Oh, I've put in Social Security all my life. I'm entitled to it. But but that's a great point um, when you talk about it's essentially, in a way, indirectly taking somebody else's money. But it's all part of this and that they had put in years ago. That's essentially dated now. Yeah, I could definitely see that. And actually, I went ahead because there's a lot of misconceptions as far as the actual amounts of how this works. So for the first time, I'm going to go ahead and direct you to the spreadsheet here. And for those of you listening on the podcast, I'm going to narrate this so you got it. But if you wanted to go check it out, you can. So what I have in this left column here is the 2019 information that I pulled directly from the Social Security Administration 2020 report. And what that report said was that in 2019, Social Security pulled in from tax revenue and interest revenue and basically all of its revenue sources pulled in $918 billion. So then, That's of course... I'm sorry? That's with a B. Oh, yeah, B. B-b-b-billions. <laughs> so then you look at expenses. So these expenses, a very small fraction of that is administrative expenses. So, you know, paying the people that run it, paying the Social Security Administration employees, so on and so forth. And then the rest of that is just straight up payouts to seniors. So those payouts were $911 billion. So just a reminder, so we went from income of 918 to expenses of 911. So I cut off some decimal places there, but what you're ending up with is $6.5 billion left over that didn't get distributed. So you might wonder, what's going to happen with that $6.5 billion? Well, what happens to it is it goes into the Social Security Trust Fund, now, that trust fund, as of year-end 2019, is $2.89 trillion, with a T, trillion dollars. For a lot of people, those are some really huge numbers that it's, I don't want to say hard to get your head around, but once you're dealing with numbers of a certain size, most people tune it out and just say, oh, that's just a really huge number, we're good to go. And for those of y'all listening and watching, $2.89 trillion sounds like a lot of money, doesn't it? It's a lot of money. So here's what I did to make these numbers more relatable. I took the income number, that $918 billion, and I equated that to a $50,000 annual income. Now, I did that because $50,000 was the median U.S. salary in 2018. 
Now, 2018 was the most recent that's published as of this recording. So unfortunately, I have to use 2018. So that 917 trillion, I turned that into 50,000 and I converted all of the other numbers using proportions so that the scale of these is the same, but with smaller numbers. So I'm going to direct your attention to the right column here. So what we end up with is the total Social Security program made $50,000. Now, again, that's our scaled down version. The Social Security income was $50,000. They paid out $49,650. So that means at the end of the year, they had savings of $354. So that $354 is the equivalent of that $6.5 billion number I mentioned. So it's the same numbers. All I did was scale them down. So it's a lot easier to understand what we're looking at here. So in 2019, they made $50,000 paid out to current retirees 49645 and then they kept 354 and that 354 is what was put into the trust fund. Now, remember that $2.89 trillion in the trust fund? Well, that trust fund, if you scale it back down to our $50,000 a year income, that trust fund is $157,830. What this means is the income was 50000 but the total trust fund is 157 meaning the fund, as it stands right now, could go three years with no income, and it'd be completely wiped out. Those are the numbers we're looking at when we're talking about the program. Now, it sounds impressive that they keep $6.5 billion in 2019, but that's not a lot of money. <laughs> it's no, just not. It's, it's really not in the grand scheme of things, and that you scale the numbers down that is extremely helpful in understanding that so uh, as you doing that that's that's helping a lot i mean it just once you scale the things down it's really easy to see because really the numbers themselves don't matter what matters is the relationship how much income to how much expenses and how much is left over the number doesn't matter what we want to know is how much more income over the expenses do we have And on a $50,000 a year income, imagine this is a family. You have a family of four where one parent works, makes $50,000. Total expenses for the year is $49,600. Their total savings that they're able to put away just in case for a rainy day fund is $350 for a whole year. That's it. Yeah, and if this was a budget that I was looking at with somebody that I was coaching, um, I would... See this as um, not a very well-made budget, and it's something that needs to be addressed immediately. See, and that brings us to our next point. How sustainable is that? How much of an emergency can you sustain if you're only saving $350 in a year? So following your your same trend here with the scaled-down numbers, if you just look at it like that, and again, this is a, a single-family income uh, with a budget of uh, $50,000 a year, $49,000 expenses, um, just looking at it from a family perspective, not sustainable. Eventually, you're going to get to a point to where you're going to have to either pull out from your savings or either increase your income or reduce expenses because this current trajectory uh, is just not going to work. And then when you increase those numbers into the billions, which is social security, uh, it's not sustainable. So know what the, the path forward needs to be, but, and this is something I'm sure we'll get into later on, but it's, it's 
likely something that you and I will not see in our uh, time to actually benefits. So short term, maybe it's a good system for the people now. Long term, it's definitely not sustainable with these numbers. And I'm glad you said that. Let's go ahead and let's move to a different part of the spreadsheet. So if we look up here, what we have is a scheduled, and then I put it in quotes. You'll notice everywhere on the spreadsheet, I put the word bankruptcy in quotes. Well, except for one, I missed that one, but let's ignore that one. <laughs> now we're only going to be focusing two of them, but what most people think social security is, or the social security trust fund, it's actually four distinct funds. It is four different ones that are separated by law. We are only going to focus on two of them. You have this one here that's labeled the OASI, and that's the senior fund. That's the you've reached the age of retirement and you are going to collect your benefits because you've worked your whole life, you've earned it, here you go. And then the DI trust, that's the disability income trust. So if you receive disability income from Social Security, that's where that trust fund is. So if we look at our quote-unquote scheduled bankruptcies, the Social Security, the main fund for retirees, that one is set to run out of money at 2035, 2035, or 15 years from now. And then if you look at the disability fund, the disability fund is set to go bankrupt in 2065. So the disability fund, the metrics on that one, I'm not going to go too far into it, but I've actually read through the 2020 year-end report. The disability fund has a lot better metrics going forward. The disability rate has been dropping for a while. The payouts have been dropping a little bit because you have less people. So that one's a little more sustainable, which is why that one can last 30 years longer. Then we get to these three columns over here. And then I want to talk about why we're putting the word bankruptcy in quotes. So here's what's expected to happen. So if we look back over here at our annual budget, they're making $50,000 a year paying out 49645 which means they're saving $300. But they have a savings account with 157000 Now, that's the total Social Security Trust. So what's going to end up happening and what's projected to start happening next year is that the expenses are going to grow higher than what the income is expected to grow. So this savings number is going to turn into a deficit. The expenses are going to be greater than the income. Now, the Social Security Trust doesn't take out debt, so what's going to happen? Let's turn to our resident budgeting expert here. So if you have a family that's making $50,000 a year, the expenses are $49,000 a year, and you have savings, if expenses grow to more than the income, they are spending more than they're making, and they're not going to take on debt, where is that additional money above the income you're making going to have to come from? What I would say is you have memorized savings, what you have down at the bottom there. That's right. What the Social Security Administration and the Treasury Secretary right now are projecting is that starting in year-end 2020, expenses for the Social Security Trust are going to be greater than the income, which means instead of putting in $350 into savings, they're going to have to start taking money out of savings. So that is expected to keep happening continually for the next 15 years. Then, in 2035, where this bankruptcy number is, which, here's what you're going to hear, and I'm going to tell you, you can ignore. I'm going to give you permission to ignore from here on out. If you see in the news that Social Security is going to, quote, run out in 2035, or if that number changes, what they're talking about is the savings account. So the whole fund doesn't collapse and go bankrupt. What happens is the trust, the backup, the savings account is at zero. 
that doesn't mean the entire thing explodes. Yeah, I see that that makes sense now. The because I mean, it blow through you know nine hundred and seventeen billion dollars. Like, and when you talk about it going bankrupt, um, so say pulling it from the trust that 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 makes a lot more sense when you say bankrupt. That, that's good information. I, I did not know that. So. Uh, it's all good. I, truth be told, I always thought that, I mean, because when people say that Social Security is going to disappear in 2035 or anyone in their 20s now, good luck, Social Security is going to be gone. Everything they're referencing when they're saying, oh, it's going to be gone, it's going to be bankrupt, it's going to be blah, blah, blah. everything they're referencing is the savings account going away. As long as people are working, those payroll taxes are still in effect. That money is still coming in. So the question right. then becomes, well, how big of a deficit are we looking at? Because if you're spending more than you earn, you're going to run out of savings. So what is your only choice in a household budget? Let's keep it at this level. If you have a household budget and you are spending more than you earn and you have no savings and you're not going to take on debt, what is your only option? You could go two ways. You know, you could increase your income or decrease your expenses, and there's multiple ways of doing that at a family budget level. What that would take on the Social Security level, uh, I guess, increasing taxes maybe. Well, I'll tell you exactly what it is. Look, before we go into an answer, and look, I want to make this clear. The purpose of this episode is not to give political answers or say which party is right, which party is wrong, what's the right answer. We're especially not trying to tell you what the right answer is. The purpose of this episode is to bring to light the details of exactly what the Social Security Fund is looking at, is what it's looking like and what the future is looking at, and just lay out the options. Now, I might have some personal opinions on what options might be better than others, but I am not here to give a political stance. I'm just here to lay out the facts as we know them. And I assume Jared's doing the same. Jared? Yeah, so I'm, I don't get into the whole political thing. You know, certainly, like you said, Alex, I've got my opinions on things. Um, but when it comes to this type of stuff, I mean, there's really no reason to get involved, right? Because it just muddies the water, in my opinion. I mean, this whole this isn't an option of politics. What this is is exactly what those of you watching on YouTube and those of you that are just listening, this is a spreadsheet problem. This is a A plus B does not equal C. So how do we make that work? That's what we're dealing with. It doesn't matter who's right, who's the politics or the party that blah, 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 blah. we're looking at a math problem, a math problem that doesn't work. Income is not greater than expenses. And that's what's needing to be solved. There's no politics here. Right. And oftentimes politics does get entangled with Social Security for some reason. And uh, and so maybe after this podcast here, it'll uh, kind of change opinions on needing to even connect politics with social security because like you said it's essentially a math problem and um math is a political yeah so what we've set up here is the entirety of the social security fund and the whole problem of social security is a household budget that is it there's income there's expenses and a savings account and the question is how do we change up these numbers to where everything works so on the trajectory that we're at right now is that starting in 2020, expenses are going to be bigger than income, and if nothing's done, we're going to start drawing on the savings account. And that savings account is going to slowly decrease in value until 2035 when the main Social Security fund, which pays out the benefits out to seniors who are retired, that is expected to go quote-unquote bankrupt, 
2035. So what does that mean? What that means is the savings account balance hits zero. Now there's still an income. There's just no emergency fund. They're still making money. They don't disappear. It's not game over. Social Security doesn't fold because the savings account hits zero. So what are we looking at post quote unquote bankruptcy? With no savings account, what are we looking at? Well, thankfully, the 276-page annual report tells us what we're looking at. So, immediately after 2035, when the quote-unquote bankruptcy of the Social Security Retiree Fund goes bankrupt, they're expected to be able to pay out 76% of benefits. Every senior takes a 25% pay cut, and then we move on. That's what's going to automatically happen if nothing's done. So if you reduce people's benefits, that may kind of ruffle some feathers, but it all comes down to reducing expenses. And if they want to continue receiving those, then um, you know, that would be a way to do that, just kind of like a, on a very entry-level way of looking at it. I mean, that's the idea. This is what happens automatically. Automatically, if we go the next 15 years, everything goes as is expected and nothing changes. Every retiree at that point gets a 24% benefit reduction. And boom, income and expenses match. We're good. No problem. Now, right. it, it does get a little bit better because for those people that are claiming the disability portion of Social Security, the disability portion, A, will survive until 2065. B, once that quote-unquote bankruptcy happens and their portion of the savings account happens, well, they can pay out 92% of benefits. So people on disability will only experience an 8% drop if nothing happens in the next 45 years. Yeah, right, assuming nothing happens. <laughs> so on average, total, everyone receiving every kind of Social Security benefits, once the quote-unquote bankruptcy happens, so I just gave you the numbers for if it's done separately. If the Social Security Retiree Income Fund runs out, they're going to get 76% of what they had been getting the disability fund would get 92%. Now, what the Social Security Administration did is they gave us another number that is, what if the savings account of each of them were allowed to be combined? So each one of them currently has their own savings account. I've been aggregating them so far. Okay. So if we did it combined, oh, that should be a nine. If we did it combined, ooh, then total payouts would be able to be 79%. So there is no bankruptcy. As soon as the savings account or the trust fund runs out, it's we're still going to be fine. 80% of benefits will still be paid. 76% of the retiree benefits will still be paid. Because as long as people are working and still working their W-2 jobs and paying into Social Security... Social Security will still be making money, and they're going to distribute it. It's just not going to be enough. Right. Yeah, and, so again, keeping it at the, at the very low level, um, as long as you have income coming in, you're going to have money to uh, throw around. But again, if your expenditures are more than your income, then that's for your deficit. And so that, that makes sense to me. And then what the annual review also does is the annual review is done to project out 75 years. So if you look at what are we looking at in 2094? Now keep in mind, even though it's the 2020 report, it only goes through 2019. 
So you would add the 75 years to that. So if you go out all the way to 2094, on average, 73% of benefits will still be able to be paid out, even though the fund is, as every news organization likes to say, bankrupt. But yet they're still being able to pay out 73%. Now, I don't know exactly how old you are, Jared, but are you going to be retired before or after 2094? Yeah, so I'm hoping by then I'll be retired. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> well, boy, do I have a podcast episode to talk to you about early retirement. <laughs> yeah, no, right. that was a good one, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, so I hope that throughout all of this that we've said so far, that anytime someone says, oh, someone in their 20 is never going to get Social Security. Jerry, is this the first time you're seeing this information? It is. And, you know, Alex, when you lay it out like this, it's very simple to understand because and, and again speaking from my experience it's it's a little more complicated than what i thought and a lot of people don't research this because well they don't understand it and it's just caught up into a lot of the numbers so laying out like this it makes it a little easier to understand and condensing this report down into a way that uh, hopefully your listeners will be able to uh, and a little better it it does give me a little bit more hope going in that, hey, maybe it will be there uh, when you look at it from a simple income and expenses and savings uh, perspective. Yeah, and that's what I'm hoping to do here because there is a lot, and I mean a lot, of misinformation out there on Social Security. And here's what I did. While we were going on here, I went ahead and I found the page. So let me go ahead and move this in here. So this is the page. If you look at, let me see here. So if you look at here, www.ssa.gov, Social Security Administration, and then this is the annual review for 2020. Feel for, look, here's the link. If you want to go to the website, look it up. I'm here, on, pa I'm here on page 20, and what do we have here? Da, 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 da. Where's that number? All right, so we have a 75-year, so that OASDI, that's combining the Disability Fund and the Senior Fund. If you look at that... Let me see. Let's move this over some. Sorry, Jared, but you're blocking us. <laughs> oh, no. Move me out of the way. All right. After trust fund reserve depletion, continuing income is sufficient to support expenditures of at least 79% of the program cost for the rest of 2035, declining to 73% through 2094. So I'm here on, for those of you listening that aren't looking at what I'm looking at, I am on the Social Security website where I pulled the 2020 year-end review. I am on page 20 of the PDF where it says, even though the trust fund gets depleted, they will be able to pay out 73% of benefits all the way through 2094. I did not BS these numbers. Everything, <laughs> all oh, these... Alex, to me it sounds like that there was some uh, foresight into this when it was made and it was like they had a backup plan in place is that not what it seems to you i mean it's the trust fund it's a bit it's a trust fund if, even if you imagine richie rich all the trust fund is is extra money just in case you need it really right. in layman's terms it's a savings account you have income expenses and savings what we're looking at is a math problem we're not looking at the entire thing blows up because the savings account hits zero. I mean, you do financial coaching. How many people have a zero savings account and then get taken out back and get shot? 
Yeah, uh, not that I've seen anyway. <laughs> it's a rather not extreme example. Happen, but yeah, exactly. So, but again, it just goes to what you were saying earlier. It's, it's misinformation and not doing the research yourself. What more people need to do don't, don't listen to what the news. It doesn't matter which side, you know, left wing news, right wing news. It's all noise, really. Just go do the research yourself. And this is the stuff that you need to be reading is these reports because it's all laid out for you. It's all public information. You just got to go look for it. And I mean, they publish this stuff. It's like no one's hiding it. I did one Google search, 2020 annual review. Most of these government agencies, you just Google it and the report comes up. They're not trying to hide it. Like there are laws telling them they have to give you this information. But what right. happens it, is the media pulls it and they report it to you and people just trust them. Oh, yeah, Social right. Security is going to be out of money. Okay, but yep. does their income they, dry up? Yeah, they take their word for it and then they go on and tell the next person and the next thing you know, it's a common misconception. I had, and it's not, look, I don't mean to make people feel bad because they watch the news. I had an economics professor, senior year of high school. Juniors and seniors could take his class. And, like, that was it. It was an elective. He was an economics professor that, you know, he wanted to move home, so he started teaching just at the local high school. He taught economics to high school seniors, and at least once a week, he would start his class by thanking the class for getting jobs, working W-2 income, and paying into Social Security so that when he retires, he's going to get Social Security income. And he made sure to thank the class again because they would not be receiving that same social security. He would say it like every week. So wow. <laughs> if a guy with an economics yeah, so... degree can get hoodwinked, I mean, anyone could. I learned this today. For those of you that are looking at it, I was fully believing that, oh, you know, bankruptcy, the whole thing's going under. I'm not going to receive social security. I'm doing all my future finan financial independence plans on zero social security. Because I believed all the hype that it all disappeared. And then in preparation for this episode, I didn't know we'd be going here. But in preparation for this episode, I read the report. And I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, something's uh, not adding up here. So what you're saying is people, this is the type of content you get on the Moon Street Money podcast. <laughs> you need I'll, to go listen to it. <laughs> I was not going there, but thank you for the shout out. <laughs> oh lordy all right you get beyond beyond money talk here <laughs> you get real talk again we're talking about a problem of budgets to get us a little bit back on track we're talking about a budgeting problem income versus expenses and then savings now the annual report isn't all doom and gloom because they actually did the math to see what it would take to fix the budget and what they calculated is something that's known as an actuarial deficit and this actuarial deficit was calculated for the next 75 years, all the way through 2094. And the amount that needs to be changed, whether it's increasing income or decreasing expenses, because either will work, the amount that that needs to change to put all of this in budget to where we're not negative, we're back to break even, and we're good to go, is 3.03%. So if we can either increase Social Security's income by 3%, or decrease the expenses by 3%. That's it. If we can do that, we're fully so funded. Like which which direction to take? And you know what? Right. 
I didn't, I didn't put this on the spreadsheet, but let's see. What is $50,000? Let's, let's go back to our number. $50,000 a year times 3.03%. Jared, you want to take a guess? 3%, 50000 mm, on the record, so... I'm going to say 1500 bucks. Let's see. For those of you on the podcast, I haven't hit enter yet. I've typed in the equation. Just so I'm not lying, what's that number, oh, Jared? Oh, so close. <laughs> Uh, one thousand five hundred and fifteen bucks. <sighs> Quick maths. Wow, that is, that's impressive. That is very very impressive. Oh, not really. Three <laughs> times five is fifteen, and then you just got to reduce the zeros. All right, that, so I just ballparked it. <laughs> so fifteen hundred bucks. If we're looking at a annual budget of fifty thousand dollars for a household, all we have to do is either earn an additional fifteen hundred dollars or cut fifteen hundred dollars in expenses. That's like what, a hundred bucks oh. a month in groceries? One hundred and twenty? Oh yeah, I mean, especially, I mean, like, okay, so if I was looking at this from a, again, keeping it simple, family budget. If I knew we had to find a little over fifteen hundred bucks in a budget, um, how about stop going to Starbucks every day after work? You know, just simple things like that. And when you look at it, pretty sure there's some things that can be done to find this money relatively can relatively pain-free because you know keeping uh you from buying that starbucks i mean that's a very simple thing and it doesn't change your life um so i'm sure there's something that could be scaled up that would have that same effect yeah social security right yeah 1500 bucks that's all we're looking at and that's over the course of a year let's see 1500 bucks yeah, divided so by 12 simple should 126 be, be bucks easy. a month <laughs> yeah that, that's definitely doable like all we're looking at where, to so fix social security. Where can we find that? Six bucks. <laughs> about to uh, title it all this. comes down to just a hundred bucks. <laughs> about to retitle this episode: "Fixing Social Security in Thirty Minutes or Less." <laughs> yeah, and 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 say it all comes down to a hundred bucks. One hundred twenty-five bucks a month. Y'all are looking at the math. Y'all saw me do it. <laughs> For those of you watching, look. Cell referenced. Fifty thousand. Hold on. Double click. $50,000 times 3%, because that's all we need. Either an <laughs> increase or a decrease. And then we divided that by 12. To fix Social Security, we just need to find 126 bucks a month. <laughs> so, and that's to just make sure I'm on the same page. That is just, that's to get us back to surplus, correct? I want to say that was to or balance to the budget. I think that was that break was even. to balance the budget. Okay, I think that okay. was to give everyone 100% of benefits until 2094. Gotcha. And that's really what people are looking for, right? Is, you know, going back to the entitlement thing, they, they just want, you know, the, the, the general consensus is they, they want their money. So where can we find that $126? Should be pretty simple to do, I would think. Yeah. I mean, that's, <laughs> we could basically mic drop the episode right there, but there is yeah, one more. Yeah, mic drop. <laughs> Alrighty, but there is one more section of the spreadsheet that we need to go through here. So as y'all were explained to last week, how Social Security works is current workers pay into it, which the Social Security Administration immediately turns around and pays that out to a current person receiving that. The only reason there is that surplus is for the last 70, 80 years, we've been running a surplus. So we've been steadily building that savings account. And the reason for that is, is that there is more people paying into it that there is receiving it. So what we're looking at here, when we're talking income for Social Security, that's 
U.S. workers working a W-2 job paying 12.5% because that's what the Social Security tax is. 12.5% tax. Six of that is paid by you, six and a quarter. Six and a quarter is paid by your employer. So you don't feel that full 12%. So 12% of every working man, woman, and child in America goes to Social Security, which then gets turned around and paid out. Now, what was also explained in the last episode is that Social Security was never intended to be 100% of your retirement income. Social Security was supposed to only represent 40% of your post-retirement income because of the three-legged stool theory. And that theory is you would have Social Security, a pension, which that's laughable as of now, (laughs) and your personal savings. So we're trying to account for 40%. So historically, even as recently as 2010, there have been three working employees for every one person collecting benefits. So for every one person collecting benefits, there's been three paying into Social Security. The biggest problem Social Security is having is that birth rates have been dropping. And because of that, we have the baby boomers, one of the biggest generations in American history, are all starting to retire, but smaller generations have followed them. So because of that, you end up with more people receiving and less people paying in. So that's why our expenses are growing more than the income is. So in 2020, that number of payees to beneficiaries, you have 2.75 people paying into it for everyone that is receiving. So just for fun, we did that math. So if you look down here, we have the average U.S. salary and the median U.S. salary for 2018. Now, I went ahead and just used the average because why not? So the average was really close to 50000 It was like 50000 and like $12. So I just used fifty. So your average employee is making $50,000. You multiply that 12.5% tax, because that's what goes into Social Security, and then you multiply that by the 2.75 people that are paying in for each single person that is pulling out of Social Security. And before we get into that, 40%, which is all Social Security is intended to replace, 40% of that average salary is $20,000. So for those of you that are looking on YouTube, you're looking at this right here. For those of you that are listening, you have 2.75 workers for every one person that is receiving that money. What those 2.75 people are paying in is $17,100 per year. Now, the average beneficiary is going to claim $20,000. So the problem we're having is that because there are so many less people paying into Social Security than there are taking out that 12.5% tax no longer covers the 40% salary that it's supposed to be replacing. Now, in the annual report, what they say in their conclusion is that the problem with Social Security is that the cost of Social Security is going to go faster than the income due to the reduced worker-to-beneficiary ratio. It's because of that that we're having this problem. So essentially, it's less workers putting it in, if I understand that correctly. Yes, Because look, if we took this number, if we did this, so this number is 2.75 people. So let's do this. So we have three people paying in that 6,250, which is the average salary times 12.5%. You get that 18, so you get closer to that. And that number, let's see, I actually still have that annual report pulled up, and there is a very nice table that shows graphically what that looks like. So in the conclusion, they actually show you 
So historically, starting in the 1980s, they had more than three, and this number went up higher than that. So historically, you have had three people paying into Social Security for every one person that is pulling out of Social Security. And because the baby boomers are starting to retire around the 2000s to 2010s, you start having that ratio go down because there are not enough of the newer generations coming in and working because birth rates have gone down. So there's less people trying to pay for an increasing number of seniors that are trying to claim Social Security. So one thing I can't help but think about here, Alex, is the amount of people that are working, I guess you would say not so much gig economy because they pull W-2 or they they get W-2s, but people that have side incomes, like when you think about the fire community, as the fire community becomes more mainstream, how would that impact the overall balances of security? Well, it would depend on how they do it. Now, I'm not an expert on the IRS tax code. I have a lot of the puzzle pieces. I do not have all of the puzzle pieces, so I don't have the full and complete picture. But for people who are working for themselves and paying themselves a salary, they are required to pay Social Security tax. Now, those people are unfortunate because they are both the employee and the employer, so they have to charge themselves the full 12.5%. Now, for those people who aren't having a business that's paying themselves, they get charged the self-employment tax which I believe is supposed to be some sort of kind of replacement for that Social Security tax. So there is a separate tax charge. I don't know if that goes to any of this, but I do know they are still paying taxes, but it may not go directly to Social Security. Right. Okay, that, that makes sense. Sorry to kind of derail there, but it's no, you're just good. a thought that popped up in my head that, that may uh, be relevant to this here. So that's, that's, that's good information. Yeah, you got to love that self-employment tax. Oh, yeah. <laughs> almost like they're trying to stifle small business, right? They're just trying to get my cash. Try to work for myself, and they're like, surprise, you're actually still working for Uncle Sam. (laughs) Yep. As the old saying goes, the only things that are certain is uh, death and taxes. That's for sure. Okay, and so I actually went and I found in the conclusion, now keep in mind, we're still here on the Social Security 2020 year end. Now, I'm going to go ahead and read this for those of y'all just listening to the podcast. Under current law, the projected cost of Social Security increases faster than projected income through 2040, primarily because the ratio of workers paying taxes to beneficiaries receiving the benefits will decline as the baby boomer generation ages and is replaced at working ages with subsequent lower birth rate generations. So it's the first sentence in the conclusion that the primary problem we're having is that you have too many people retiring and not enough people replacing them. Because, you know, the baby boomers, they came in, they were one of the biggest birth generations, and then that trend didn't continue. So, and knowing this, now in conclusion, so keeping it at a, from a budgeting perspective, what's something that we can do to kind of bring this back? By my count, I've got like six or seven, but I'm going to defer to your expertise for this first bit. Now, keep in mind, this is a budget. So how do we fix a budget here? Looking back at our table here. So looking at it from a budgeting perspective, again, keeping it very simple, uh, you could increase income or you could reduce your And from the income perspective, I assume that would be like uh, taxes, more, you know, more taxes, generally a kind of an unpopular thing. And then your expenditures would mean less payout and benefits, kind of a double-edged sword either way when you think about from, a, you know, the public's of these 
countermeasures that needs to be done. Um, but we know that something has to be done or else we're going to be in a deficit. That's really all it comes down to, income versus expenses. Yeah, another thing, if cutting the benefit amount is something that people are very opposed to, Another thing we could do is raise the age that it takes for you to start receiving the benefits. Maybe instead of 65, or I think at the earliest you can claim it at 62, maybe we raise it to 65 and then maybe 68 or 69. I mean, something like that will help. That's true. And then... And and I think I remember previous episode, you mentioned that 65 was the age that was uh, decided upon based on life expectancy, right? Yes, age 65 has been the age to receive benefits since Social Security first started. So, I mean, you know, there's there's been a, a lot of things that's happened since then. Uh, medicine has done some wonderful things. Life expectancy is a lot higher now, so maybe that's a viable thing that we can do is increase the age because, you know, likely people are living longer now than they used to, so uh, maybe that's more of a a viable option that's not going to tip into people's benefits plus maybe something as an alternative for raising taxes yeah so another thing we could do is that so of this income this fifty thousand dollars a year if we're looking at our budget about nine or ten percent of that is interest income because this savings account that we have in the trust fund is invested it's invested in u.s treasury debt which fun fact the Social Security Administration is one of the biggest holders of U.S. debt. So when people say the U.S. debt is out of control, the number one person that holds uh, U.S. government debt is the Social Security Administration because they're forced to put all their money into U.S. government debt because that's how Social Security was designed. So, that's interesting. Oh, yeah. So for the past like 10 years, since the 08 financial crisis, interest rates have been absurdly low. Well, if interest rates start climbing back up and start going back to normal, the return on this trust fund, the return on the savings account, rather the interest rate on the savings account would go up and that would increase the income. So that no taxes, like economics would just come in and fix it. Now, that's not something we can really influence, but that is something that in the regular course of a market cycle, once that starts coming back, that's going to start easing some pressure off. Right. And again, you know, as we mentioned before, it's it's difficult to elude politics from this, but typically your tax increases or reducing of benefits is something that's generally tied to a political party, whoever tends to be in power at the time. So the, uh, the interest rate change, uh, maybe that's a way that they can do that without getting into that section of things. Yeah. And then the last thing I'm going to mention just because we're going a little long here, and I think we've proved our point that Social Security isn't going to disappear. The last thing we can do here is, so as I just said, Social Security was designed so that the only thing that that trust fund can be put in is U.S. government debt. And I don't know if you've looked right now, but U.S. government debt is paying out like 2%. So that's a really bad, like I could get a savings account that pays more than that, or a CD. Like CDs will pay 3 or 4% right now. Yeah, yeah, I've seen some that's around 3-4% right now. So the problem is they are restricted as to what they could put it in. Well, if we allow even a portion of the trust fund to invest in other things, maybe the S&P 500, probably not specific companies because then you have the government playing favorites, which is actually why they're required to only put it in U.S. government debt. But if you can free up at least a portion 
to invest in things other than U.S. government debt, which pays out nothing, then you can get a better return. And if you're getting a better return, that's more income. More income can handle the additional expenses because you're making more money. And that's not done by raising taxes. All we're doing is switching from putting your money in one place to putting it in another. Yeah, you're just putting it somewhere else. That's right. So... Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it, to me, it's 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 the no-brainer option here. Uh, the way you've clearly laid it out. Uh, so, hopefully, that is something that they will look into doing in the future. Yeah, and remember, all we're trying to do is an additional hundred and twenty-six dollars per month. One hundred twenty-six bucks. That's so, it. if we go from two percent <laughs> to three percent on what we're earning in the savings account, that just might do it. Now, I haven't done the math, but if just switching where the money is could balance the equation with no reduction in benefits, no pushing back the age, no raising taxes. Is that not the most painless option? Yeah, I, w- I would say that would be. And you know, in looking at it from the, the budget, again, that 26 bucks, I mean, that would that would be a very painless change in a family budget. Um, it would be just something simple as cutting out that uh, small thing that you buy way home from work, maybe a little bit of a, a habitual purchase. So, you know, something that's not going to be life-changing, um, but it's going to be very impactful in the long run. Actually, I think I just saw something here. All right, I'm going to try something, I swear. Okay, so for those of you who aren't watching the video, so the trust fund right now, if we're staying in our $50,000 a year budget, the savings account has $157,000. And what we need per year to fix it what we need per year in either additional income or reduced expenses to not dip into savings is $1,515. What is 1% of that 157000 So if we can make an additional 1% on the amount that's in the savings account, that, that looks like it'd be really close to $1,500. Oh, there it is. We solved Social Security. So we need to run for office is what you're saying, Alex. <laughs> if, if we took, we can have this fixed tomorrow. If we were, <laughs> I mean, look, you saw me do the math. <laughs> so for those of you that aren't watching, yeah, so... the, oh, we didn't say it yet. So for those of you that aren't watching, so right now there's $157,000 in our savings account for the entirety of the Social Security Trust Fund. What we're missing in additional income to balance the budget so that everyone gets 100% of their money through 2094, what we need is an additional $1,515. So what I just did was I went into another cell in my spreadsheet and I did, okay, what is that 157000 if we added an additional 1% return? So if we went from a savings account that was paying 2% to 3%, if we added one additional percent, how much additional income would that give us? So we needed 1515 What that additional 1% gave us was 1578 <laughs> And remember, this is not raising taxes. This is not reducing benefits. This is just simply finding something that's paying a little bit more in interest. This is taking us from bank account one to put it in bank account two. Right. We can so make an... <laughs> we need to... Drive up to Washington and show them the spreadsheet. Go fly up to Washington real quick, uh, kick in Mnuchin's door, and be like, yo, I fixed it. <laughs> hey, look, <laughs> look at this Excel spreadsheet. We got it figured out. 
<laughs> Man, it's got to be a big spreadsheet. Nah. Nope. <laughs> One page. Sales, that's it. <laughs> but no, seriously, that's uh, that that's that's really profound when when the way you laid it out like that. that it's it really helped me out in my understanding. Really, it all comes down, like you said, or what we've been talking about this whole time is this. It's a budget budget issue. Look at it in that way. It really makes the solution obvious. And, and as we mentioned before, this isn't a political thing. It's a math problem. Um, the, the politics buddies it up. And essentially all this is, is just simple interest rate change to give us the, the solution to what is the big thing that's been perceived as the social security. Union. Thank you for doing this. This is awesome. Oh, it's no problem at all. And just to be clear, you didn't see this spreadsheet before we started recording, right? No, no, this is my first time seeing it. Yeah, I was I was really bored after work. We had I had a few hours from the time I got off to the time we started recording this. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, you know, a few minutes of boredom simply changed social security up until twenty ninety five. So very well very well done. Yeah, for the next seventy five years we're straight. Yeah, so I think I'm good, and I think you're good too, right? <laughs> yes, sir. So we mentioned your Twitter account a little bit earlier. So where can my listeners and watchers now find more about you? Oh yeah, just go to Twitter at MoneyJrod. A little plot there on my handle, and you can also go to JrodMoney.com and sign up for my new newsletter. I'm going to be releasing one uh, weekly, and it's just a simple newsletter where I go over one tweet a week, go into a little more context, and I also highlight a, a under a thousand follower uh, tweet and kind of show them what I like about it. So it, it's kind of showing people uh, my stuff and also some other people's stuff too. So hoping it becomes a, a community and highlight some other uh, Twitter uh, people out there too, because there's a lot of uh, lot of knowledge out there for clients trying to uh, spread the love, I guess you'd say. Absolutely. I couldn't have said it better myself. So, Jared, you got any last-second words of wisdom before we get out of here? So, I guess my takeaway from this is when there's something that's complicated or it's too big for that you think it's too big to understand, in this case, Social Security, uh, break it down because oftentimes the solution is much simpler than what you think. If it's a complicated issue, normally a simple solution is merited. And that's been laid out very clear for us here in this episode today. So we're talking about social security today, but this principle applies to many, many, many other things in your money uh, and just life in general. So that's my, my last little tidbit there. So hopefully you can use that. Well, hot diggity. All right. Last question before we get out of here. It's the question I ask everyone. Well, the two questions I ask everyone. One, did you have fun? Oh, dude, this is a blast. Uh, you know, as we were talking earlier, this is my first time doing a podcast, and it's it's been a awesome experience learning the, the audio uh, technicalities and diving in and uh, breaking down a complicated issue here uh, over podcast. It, it's, it's a wonderful yeah dude i've had a blast thank you so much again for having me oh it's no problem at all and that rolls us right into the last question of the episode before we get out of here would you ever want to come back absolutely i would do this again man and hopefully next time uh it'll be something that 
you know, I feel like I have a little bit of knowledge behind this, but this is, this is something I, I dude, I learned so much. <laughs> so, um, but dude, yeah, I would definitely come back. Yeah. For those of y'all in the audience, I definitely blindsided him. I usually send my guests an outline of what about we talk about throughout the episode. Well, then I started going through that year-end annual report, and everything we had planned to talk about got thrown out the window, so I kind of switched everything up on them last second. <laughs> oh, but it was it was great. I mean, I, I feel like it's turned out really well. Um, very educational for me and also your listeners, too, I believe, because I think we touched on this earlier, but uh, this is something that is... Uh, seen as a huge, huge issue, and as we've seen here, it's it's actually very simple. So, to me, that alone was value added and worth it. So, you know, maybe not the original script, but hey, I think it turned out great. Absolutely, and look, you already swore you're coming back. So, <laughs> oh yeah, definitely, I, I definitely plan on it. So, hopefully, uh, hopefully, you'll have me back again. Oh, for sure. And with that, I think we've stalled long enough. I think it's time to get out of here. For those of y'all that have been listening and made it all the way to the end, we're proud of you. I know there's only two of y'all that made it this far. But from the Main Street Finance Podcast, I'll see you guys next week. Peace.